Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, if you turn over uh, to the book of Habakkuk, Prophet Habakkuk and chapter 3, Habakkuk chapter 3, Amen. Habakkuk chapter 3. Give you a bit of time. Sometimes the smaller ones are hard to find. <laughs> but we'll get there. Habakkuk chapter 3. And we'll stand to read just the first couple of verses in Habakkuk chapter 3. Once you're there, amen. If you'd stand for the reading of God's word this morning, Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet upon Shigonoth. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years make known. In wrath, remember mercy. Lord, this morning we just pray for your help and for your anointing upon your word, that you would speak afresh to our hearts, that your name would be glorified. Lord, wherever your precious word is opened this morning and preached and proclaimed, we pray for your help and for your anointing to be upon it. Oh God, we're asking, Lord, that you would revive your work in the midst of the years. Lord, in your wrath would you remember mercy. Lord, help us this morning. Give us ears to hear. Lord, we often pray it, but oh God, we pray. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Open our hearts this morning. Speak, Lord, into our lives afresh. May the power of the Holy Ghost move in our midst this morning. May Christ be glorified. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our seats together this morning. I want to speak on uh, why why we still need revival, why the church in Ulster still needs revival. And I just want to assure, just, just really from my heart before we start moving into the Word, I just know that this message that the Lord has placed on my heart and put into my life, this message is, first of all, before it's for anybody else, this is a message I believe it's to me, and I say that honestly, I try to be as honest and open and as uh, real as I can before you, but I believe it's a word that the Lord has spoken to me first, and I pray that the Lord would also speak to you. I, I feel at times in these moments like Isaiah, the prophet, when you have a glimpse of the Lord and you see him, and then, like he said, woe is me, for I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then we need, how we need the Lord to touch us afresh in the days that we are living in. You know, we've been long in praying for, believing for a move of God in this land. It's more than ever it needs a breath of God to breathe upon it. And the seed of revival has been planted into many hearts. And in this gathering this morning, over many years, at different times, the Lord has planted deep within our hearts a desire, a longing for a move of the Holy Spirit. When I say that Ulster still needs a move of God, but not only Ulster, Munster, Leinster, uh, we need a move of God across this island of Ireland. We've been praying that God, by the mighty power of the Spirit of God, would breathe 
into the church of Jesus Christ, wherever it is, wherever it meets, whatever building, whatever form that is, whatever the denomination or the label or the title above the door, but we need the reviving power, the resurrecting power of God, the Holy Spirit, to breathe, to breathe into the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're seeing dire things happen across our world and we have come to a time where the, the church itself, the, the remnant, the body, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Habakkuk is praying. He's calling on the Lord for a revival. He's looking to the Lord. He, he says, Lord, I've heard your speech. I've heard about you. I've heard of your fame. I've heard of your mighty acts. I've heard of what you've done in times past. And then he begins to call on the Lord in prayer. And he says, oh God, Revive your work in the midst of the years, Lord. Make known your mighty power again. How we need a manifestation. How God would bear his mighty arm in the days in which we're living. And he says, oh God, in, in your wrath, would you remember that he is full of mercy. That he's a God is so merciful. Contextually, of course, this cry of Habakkuk. And you don't need to turn there, but I'll just move quickly through it. You know, it opens with a burden. It opens that... The prophet had a burden on his life. There was a burden that God had given him. And it says the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. And he was crying unto the Lord. He cried out to the Lord. And he, it seemed as though as he cried, he felt as though the Lord was not hearing him. I don't know why you've ever been in that place. But where you've cried unto the Lord and the Lord doesn't hear. Or you don't think he's hearing. And so Habakkuk is crying out to the Lord. How long will I cry? And you will not hear any cries of violence, but it seems as though that he will not save. And all he seems to see in all the midst of it is iniquity and grievance and spoiling and violence. And that's all we're seeing on our television screens or hearing on our radios. We're hearing the violence of man. We see the strife. We see the contention. We see the wickedness of man. And he says the law is slack. The effectiveness of the law judgment the, the, the misjudgment, the judgment does not go forth. The wicked, it seems, have compass about the righteous. That which is good is evil. That which is evil is good. That's where we are. And the, and the wicked of us seems to have encircled the righteous even in the days we're in. He's talking about a time where wrong judgment proceeds. It's not right. You ever heard what's happening and say, but that's not right. That's not the right way. That's not the way of the Lord. And in the midst of reading through the chapters, only three chapters, but it's worth reading the whole book. There's these, it's like rays of light and hope that burst forth from the heart of God of promise. He says, I'll do a wonder. I'll work a work in your days that you'll not believe. Though it be told that even though you hear that God's about to do something mighty and amazing, you'll be in wonder when it happens because he is an almighty God and he only doeth marvelous things. And Habakkuk stands in the watch and he sets himself in the tower to see what the Lord is going to speak to him and what he will answer when he's reproved. And the Lord says, write the vision, put it down, make it plain that they may run the vision. The time is this, is an appointed time in the Lord. But the end says, it'll speak and it will not wait. And then you see in that chapter 2, there's all these woes. The woes of the prophet as he begins to speak forth from the heart of God. Woe to them that covet uh, an evil covetousness to the house. 
Woe to them that build a town with blood. Woe to them that establish a city by iniquity. Woe to them that give their neighbor drink that they may see their nakedness. Woe to them that, that saith to the wood and put uh, gold and silver upon it and say, this is, this is our God. Speak to us. Save us. Men are trusting in their silver and their gold. Woe to them. Woe to them throughout that chapter. And then it ends in chapter 2 and verse 20, just before our reading. It says, but the Lord, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. I thank God that the Lord is in his temple. I thank God that he is on the throne this morning. The prophet says, let everyone be silent. Let everyone be quiet. Habakkuk says, God, I have heard your speech. I was afraid. Not fearful in the sense of a spirit of fear, but in his heart there was a reverence. He sees the Almighty God. He has a glimpse of who God really is, how wonderful he is in his majesty and his glory. And as he's seated on that throne this morning and the four and the twenty elders fall down and the angels cry, Holy, 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 God, give us a glimpse of God in his holy temple. And then it's when he cries, Lord, would you revive your work? Lord, would you revive thy work in the midst of the years? In the midst of the years, make known and your wrath remember mercy. The question I'd ask you this morning is why revival? Why would we pray for revival? Why would we call out for revival? Why would we, would we preach revival? Why would we sing of reviving the work of the Lord? You know, this land still needs revival. The church needs a move of the Spirit of God. The body of Christ needs the breath of God, the power of the Holy Ghost. Why, like the psalmist in Psalm 85, and he says, Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Will thou not draw out thine anger to all generations? Will thou not revive us again, O Lord, that thy people might rejoice in thee? Show us thy mercy, O Lord. Grant unto us thy salvation. Why would the psalmist cry for a reviving of the hearts of his people? Why would Ezekiel be planted in a valley full of dead bones? And the Lord speak to him, and the death is all around him, and the Lord say unto him, Can the bones live? That's the same word as revival. It's found 240-something times in the Old Testament to be made alive, to be revived. And he says to the prophet, he says, Can the bones live? Can there be a revival in the valley? And he answered and said, O Lord, thou knowest. Thou knowest. And God would come with the wind and the power of the Holy Spirit to be awakening down in the midst of the valley of death. Or Hosea, the prophet that would cry in Hosea chapter 6, Come, let us return to the Lord, for he is torn. But he will heal us. He, will, he is smitten, but he will bind us up. And after two days, he will revive us. And in the third day, he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Thank God there's revival that God comes and makes us alive. Even though we're dead or we're dying and it's full of dead bones and it's dry, there's a God that comes with the energizing power of the Holy Ghost and he moves and he breathes and he awakens and he sets on fire. Why is it there's men that recorded like old men that believed that their sons were dead and gone? But then, as we've often heard it, he's told that your son is yet alive. 
And then he sees the wagons coming and the Bible says that his spirit was revived within him. There's a revival. There's a reviving the power of the Holy Spirit. Revival when God visits the church, energizing by the dynamic and the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit, restoring a reforming, a reviving, a refreshing, a bringing back, an awakening to the church that is starting to fall asleep or is asleep. It needs awakened by the power of the Holy Spirit. There is no other vehicle on the whole of this planet. There is no other organization. God is not looking for a plan B. The only plan that He has is the church of the living God. Those that are born of the Spirit. Those that have been baptized into the body of Christ. That is the only vehicle that He has to display His glory on this earth. The greatest impact or the greatest influence or the greatest demonstration that this world will ever see is when the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the true church, is the church that He's called it to be. What does that look like? Friends, do we not need a revival when the love of many have waxed cold? Jesus said in John 13 and 34, he says, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you that also love one another. By this, this is what he said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. What if there is what? That there's a love one for another. This is how the world will actually know that we're the followers of Jesus Christ, not by how great we preach or how great we do anything but by how much of the manifestation of the love of God is between us. This is how they'll know. This is what impacts a world all around us, that when they look and see the brothers and sisters in Christ from whatever denomination, because he doesn't see them, but when he looks and when they see it and they see a manifestation of the agape love between us, then they say, these are the followers of Jesus. He said in John 15, Jesus said, Verse 11, these things I have spoken unto you that your joy might be right, remain in you and that your joy might be full. Verse 12, he said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command. This is the commandment of the Lord that you love one another. The greatest impact the early church had upon the community around it was when they seen them, they had a great love for one another. These are the followers of Jesus. Is that what our world sees? Is it not a time when the world can't see anything but a divided, bickering, gossiping church that are against each other, that are split, that are dead, that are barren, that are dry? Is it not a time where we need to call out like the prophet, Lord, would you not revive us again? The love of God is what the world needs to see radiating from the body of Christ. If I ask any person in any denomination that's saved this morning and I ask the question, do you love the Lord? Then the resounding response, of course, will be, yes. I love Jesus. But John picks it up again and he says, this is how. He said in 1 John 4 and 20, if any man, if a man say, I love God, but hates his brother, he said he's a liar. 
For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. If we love God, then the manifestation of that love is that I love you and you love me. That's how much we love God, by the manifestation of this love that we have one for another. What about love? The Bible tells us that love suffers long, and love is kind, and love doesn't envy, love doesn't vaunt itself, love is not puffed up, love does not behave itself unseemly, love doesn't seek her own, love is not easily provoked, love thinks no evil, love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, love beareth all things, love believes all things, Love hopeth for all things. Love endureth all things. Do we not need a baptism of the, of the love of God? A whole church in the end was called up for losing its first love. A whole church was called up for losing its first love. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 4, the church at Ephesus that had many great works, but the Lord said in, Eph- in Revelation 2 and 4, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because I have left thy first love. He calls it to a place, remember, from whence thou art fallen, repent, do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove the candlestick out of this place, except thou repent. Does the church in Ulster, does it need a revival? Does it not need a move of the Holy Spirit? Does it not need to be baptized in Calvary's love? Does the church here in Balnehinch, and I'm not talking about New Testament Pentecostal church, I'm talking about us as the church that here belong to the body of Christ, everyone that is saved, does it not need a baptism of Calvary's love? How we need the reviving power of God. Do we not need a revival when the word of God has no more effect upon our lives? The Bible says that the word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. But Hosea said that the people were destroyed for a lack of knowledge or revelation of the things of God. The word is preached. We have our statement of faith, our facts, our creeds, our fundamental, the things that we hold fast to. But oh, for a time, like Peter, that he preached the gospel unto them with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Like when he came in Acts chapter 11 and walked in and began to preach. And do you know what happened? It says that the Holy Ghost fell on them. How we need the Holy Ghost power of God upon the Word of God have an effect in the lives of the people of God. But not only that, that their signs and wonders follow the preaching of the Word. Do we need a revival? Are we happy to remain in death or dying? Well, you might say, but Tim, I'm okay. Well, thank God that you are. What about the time when the Word of God, like in the Old Testament, when the prophet or the priest, Hilkiah, that the law of the Lord was actually lost in the house of God? Can you ever even imagine a time that in God's house that the Word was actually lost? And this man searched Oh, that there would be a men and women and young people that would search for the Word of God. They would search for God's Word. I believe it's speaking of in our time that the revelation of the Word, the Word is there. We know the Word. 
We preach the word, but we need the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven and the power of God. But he found the law, the book of the law in the house of the Lord, and he carried it to the king. Uh, friends, I tell you, wouldn't it be wonderful for a people that search the word? Time in Eli, in 1 Samuel 3 and 1, it says that Samuel ministered before the Lord Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious. There was no vision. There was no revelation. Oh, we, we're, you know, it wasn't that we were listening to the conversation. I promise you this. We really weren't. We were two tables away from a, another table in a cafe. We were not listening to someone else's conversation, but they were very loud, so we had no choice. And there was three men sat two tables up, and they were speaking very loud about the Word of God and the preachers in this land. One of them was very determined that he's going to call up the minister the next Sunday morning, and he's going to read him up because he's not being faithful to the book, and he isn't preaching the King James Version, and he just began to lambast the, the, the preacher, and many names were mentioned, and then he started, I was just drinking my cappuccino, trying to mind my own business, but we couldn't but hear what they were saying, and then he says, all these other pastors that are jumping on the bandwagon, you know, I just woke this morning, and I prayed for that minister, because that man's waiting for that minister to finish today, and he's going to red him up at the back door. We're in a sad state of affairs. When the experts are sitting in mods in Newcastle, a time that comes where there's no revelation, where the Word of God isn't burning in our hearts. Amos says there'd be a time that would come, there would be a famine not of bread nor the thirst for water, but the hearing of the words of God. That ears would be stopped. They would be dull of hearing. They wouldn't hear what the Spirit is saying, but they, we have the Word preached, brother, but not with the Holy Ghost. Not with the power of God sent down from heaven. Not with signs and wonders following the preaching of God's Word. Not with the joy that's full and overflowing. Not with the power of conviction. Not with God, the Holy Spirit, moving and breaking the chains of sin and setting the prisoners free and loosening those that are bound with sin by the power of the Holy Ghost. We have tickling ears. We'll find the preachers that suit us. We study the Word of God not to know about Christ. We study the Word of God so we can, like these three men, we can debate who's right and who's wrong. Could I tell you something? If you're a pre-tribulation rapture, mid-tribulation rapture, or post-tribulation rapture, or pre-wrath rapture, or if you are six-seal rapture, and there are a whole lot of other raptures, but I want to tell you there's only one rapture. And we'll all go up in the same rapture. And you might go up or I might go up when I go up going. I didn't realize it's pre-trib. And Alex often says in the wee room there, and he's sitting, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm going through that ceiling someday, but I'm going. And so we debate the word. I'm not saying it's not right to study it. But now we just debate the Word and we study the Word in order that we might have debates. Friends, I want to tell you something. I've heard all my life in this country how men have debated while the whole generation has gone to hell. We have our doctrines. We have our 
pet subjects, and we have everyone sorted and in their box. But over a day, like those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, when the Lord began to open the Word of God, and their hearts began to burn within them. Over a time when the Word of God's burning in our hearts, like Jeremiah said, it was in my heart, but it was like a fire that was in my bones. Why? Because it wasn't about that they wanted to beat the Word. It was because they opened their eyes and they seen it was Jesus. Over a day that the Word of God's burning in the bones of the church of Jesus Christ, burning deep within our hearts because it's the revelation of Christ. Do you know what Genesis the Revelation's about, brothers and sisters? It's about a man called Jesus. And if all of this doesn't bring us to Christ, then I want to tell you, friends, we're just doing it for ourselves. Surely, as the psalmist said, Lord, it's time for thee to work because we made void your law. Surely, when the love is waxing cold or the word of God is hid, or there's a famine of the hearing of the Word of God. Maybe you say it's not that way, but that's all I see. But what about prayer? Right above my head this morning, my house, he said, shall be a house of prayer for all people. You know, the Bible tells us that the prayers of the people of God is like that altar that's burnt, that incense is burnt that rises up into the glory. In Revelation 8, it says there in verse 3 that there was an angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar that was before the excuse me, before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. The psalmist says, let my prayer be set forth as incense and the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice, the prayers of the people of God. You know what it's like? It's like incense that's rising up right into the very throne of God. Jesus came to his house, his house. The Bible says that there were all those that were selling in the temple, the money changers, the seats of them that sold doves. Jesus said unto them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. A thief is someone who robs, but what do we rob God of? What has taken the place of our prayer life? What has taken the place of our communion? What, have, what has been robbed? The house needed cleansed, but when it was, the blind and the lame came into the temple. And the power of God began to move, and they were healed. The chief priests seen the wonderful things, and the children that are crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Friends, I want to tell you, we need revival. We need the refining fire of God in the house of God. The Bible says, we have discussed this often, and again I talk about it regularly, but the prayer of faith, Bible says, saves the sick. There's people in this room this morning and they come faithfully. And you have to admire their dedication, their faithfulness. They come in through the doors hobbling and struggling and battling with illnesses. But the Bible says that the prayer of faith will deliver the sick. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. 
That's what the Bible says. And this morning I believe that the prayers of God's people, the prayer of faith, the anointing with oil, the prayer of faith, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, when the church prays, it ascends up into heaven and there's no disease that's above His name because His name is above all names. But has He come to His house this morning? As the psalmist said, I am become a stranger even to my brethren. He walks the aisles of his house and he's a stranger to us. We go through the motions. We go through just the things, the mechanical, the religious. What about the fervent, spirit-filled, faith-filled prayers and the groanings of the Holy Ghost? And God, by the power of his Spirit, begins to move in a house and chains are broken, and bodies are healed, and men and women are set free. You see, we can have a name like the church at Sardis, of course. I have a name that thou livest, but you're dead. We can have a form of godliness, as 2 Timothy 3 says, but deny the power thereof. The Bible says that the Lord is that Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, what is there? There's freedom. There's liberty. There's freedom. There's the expression of the liberating power of the Holy Spirit in a life when God has set us wonderfully free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. We're free. But we can have a form of godliness. An ulster has it up to here. A form of godliness, but denying the living reality of the power of God. I want to tell you, friends, we can even have it in Pentecostal churches. We can even have it in charismatic churches. We can have it in the traditional denominations. But oh, for the power of God to come. The Bible says it's a joy unspeakable and it's full of glory. Are you full this morning? Bible tells us that out of our innermost being shall flow, if we look at it Monday night, rivers. Rivers of living water flow from the belly of a believer out of his innermost being in the depths, deep part of his spirit. There's a river that flows. It's a river of life. Jesus said that he's come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. I wonder this morning when he walks in the midst of the candlesticks, because he does, in the midst of the churches as he did in Revelation. I wonder if he walks our aisles this morning up the middle, round the back, because he does. And he walks down the aisles this morning because Jesus is here where the twos or threes are gathered in his name. And he can look over your shoulder. He can see what you're doing. Not only can he look over your shoulder, he can look into the depths of your heart and he knows your thoughts. I wonder this morning when he puts the spiritual thermometer into the depths of her heart and he pulls it back out again and he sees whether we're hot or we're cold or we're lukewarm. I wonder really where we are, not on the outward, but on the depths of our heart with the Lord. Do we not need the power of the Holy Spirit? Do we not need a reviving again of the church of Jesus Christ where the love of God is so manifested, where the word of God is preached with the Holy Ghost coming down, where we know the power of God in our lives and the word is burning within us? 
No, we're going to be respectable. We're going to make sure we keep our reputations in line. We're going to make sure that we have our religious boxes all ticked. But I want to tell you, friends, is your rep respectability, your reputation, or your religion more important than the reality of Jesus? What does the reality of Jesus look like? I want to show you what I believe the reality of Jesus looks like this morning. I believe the reality of Jesus is when a woman so weary and broken and has been married four or five times and the fellow she's living with is not her husband goes out there well and she's thirsty and she meets a man called Jesus and tells her all things. And she goes into that town and she begins to tell everyone, you need to come and see this man because I've found this man. I've found this man as the answer to my life. And this woman so filled with the joy of her sins forgiven. I want to tell you that's the reality of Jesus. I want to tell you what the reality looks like when those that are in the tombs and the places of death that are self-harming and are suicidal and they're filled with demons and they've filled their minds with the things of this world, but they come in and they find themselves Cast at the feet of Jesus, set free by the power of God. That's reality. See, religion can't do that. Respectability can't do that. Our reputations can't do that. But Jesus can do that. Oh, for a time when God moves so much by His Spirit that the churches, and I say churches plural, but the churches that our doors are burst open with people that come from the tombs. And women that come from lives that are broken and wretched and abusive relationships. But you know what they find? They find as they throw themselves at the feet of Jesus and they begin to weep. Respectability doesn't like people weeping. Reputations don't like people crying. Religion doesn't like when it's all shaken up a little bit and someone begins to cry, Oh God, I thank you for saving me. But that woman began to weep and wipe her, wipe her, wipe his feet with her tears and dry her feet with her hair. And all the respectable and the religious people, well, they weren't too impressed. Deliver us from religion. God, we pray. And what about our worship? When worship has become so denominational and so traditional. What is worship? We say we will have, and I know our heart in it, we are going to have a time of praise and worship. Oh God, deliver us from a time of praise and worship. I mean that in the right sense. If we really knew what worship was. You know what worship is? You want to worship the Lord? You know what worship is? It means to bow down prostrate before the Lord. That's what worship actually means. To be prostrate before the Lord. Can you imagine in a religious dead day of men before the Lord with tears on their knees and on their faces just worshiping the Lord? That would shake up our denominations. They would definitely think we've lost it in some way. But friends, I want to tell you something, we probably found it. Praise is not just a word. And again, of those who want to, you can look at it, but praise is the extension of the hands. There's so many different Hebrew words just to that one word praise, but we'll have a time of praise. God deliver us from just a time of praise and know what the fullness of what it is to praise the Lord. He seeks people who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. 
with the extension of the hands, with the celebration of what God has done with a choir. One of the words mean a choir of worshipers, a congregation of worshipers, worshiping the Lord and praising the Lord for all that he's done in our lives. If we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says we'll speak to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our heart. That's what happens when you're full. But today, friends, it's just become performance and entertainment. You know, I hear it all the time. They want us to hear a Grammy Award winning singer. I cringe to the very core of everything within me. The Dove Awards, God, how grievous, how grievous we have become. Because what it is in simplicity to sing songs in our heart and worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. More than anything, I believe, brothers and sisters, the salvation of souls is the greatest cry from the womb of a church. Women like Sarah, the Bible says she had no child. Isaac entreated his wife because she was barren. Rachel was barren. Manoah, his wife, was barren. Hannah had no children. Elizabeth was barren. But God supernaturally, miraculously, and gloriously opened every one of those wombs and the child was born. You know, it seems as though that sinners have no fear of God and sin can so easily rest in God's house. There's no fear of hell. Actually, the church are more engaged in debating whether there is a hell or not. God help us. If that's not the devil, I don't know what is. People unmoved. That we're in the last days. Christ is about to come. There is a heaven. There's a hell. And you need to be saved. But I believe when God moves on his people, and he breathes upon his church, do you know what happens? He opens the womb of that church. And she becomes fruitful. Psalm, Isaiah 54 said, Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear, break forth into singing, cry aloud. Thou that didst not travail with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. Enlarge the place of thy tent. Let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitation. Spare not, lengthen the cords, strengthen the stakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. I want to tell you, friends, the church, and I said at the start, and I'll finish with this, but more than anybody else in this room, I need revival. We need a move of the Spirit of God. We need God to breathe upon his people. There's a world that's going to hell as fast as it can. And there's a church that's making very little. Thank God there is. But don't rest on that very little impact. It's divided. The 
is filled with unforgiveness. We had a great time of speaking about that in the Monday night Bible class. The spirit of unforgiveness that holds the church in bondage. The power of God needing to move. Hatred in the hearts towards God's people. A lack of love. Only moving in a circle that you love. But can you move in the circle that you maybe aren't familiar with and still love the same way? There's a pet hate. I did say it in the Monday night class. I'm going to say it again. And I said sometimes here, I've heard it say, I love them, but I don't really have to like them. I want to tell you something. That's just carnal. Are we a love that goes beyond the circles that we move in? Baptism of God's Calvary's love. What the Bible says? The Bible says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. The agape love. Oh friends, I want the fullness of that love to be manifested in our lives. I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for those that have come in amongst us and said we've experienced the love of God. I'm thankful for it. But I want to tell you there's so much more. How we need a move of God. How we need God to break through. How we need a baptism of the Holy Ghost and the power of God. Lord, deliver us from carnality. Deliver us from the things of the world. Deliver us from the things that have robbed your place. Things that have robbed your place. Cleanse the house. Lord, cleanse the house. Make it a people that are so full of God. And when the world look on us, they say, these people have been with Jesus. What was that? How great they preached? How great their talents or their gifts were? No, it was their love one for another. Lord, give us that love. Calvary's love. Father, this morning we pray in Jesus' name. Lord, that you would come. Lord, we come with faith and hope in our hearts. Lord, for an outpouring of your Spirit. Lord, to the measure that we have not experienced, yet we have a desire, yet we have a longing, yet we have a belief like Habakkuk. Lord, we pray. Lord, we have seen your mighty works. But, oh God, we pray, would you revive thy work, O God. Lord, we pray this morning for each and every one of our hearts that they would burn with the power of the Spirit of God. There'd be a fire that would be put within us. Lord, we ask for that love, Lord, to be manifested, your word to burn within us. Oh God, we pray in the name of Jesus, would you move among us? Lord, we're praying for your bride across this island, the north, the south, the east, the west. Lord, there are even many parts, as Andy has shared with us, that have no evangelical witness at all. Oh God, forgive us, Lord, that even on our doorstep, Lord, there are places that need to hear. Lord, there are men that have not heard the gospel. There are men all around us that are in darkness. Lord, we pray, would you ignite a fire within us that would burn the brighter as the day approaches. Lord, deliver us from debating. Lord, deliver us from using the word in the wrong way. But Lord, may your word be breathed upon and may it come alive. May we see this Christ. Lord, may our prayers be filled with your love as we pray for others. 
O God, we pray, Lord, that we not be slanted by our flesh and our carnality, but, Lord, that we burn with a love for a lost world. O God, this morning we pray that you'd baptize us all with the love of God. Lord, may this Christ be seen within us. Lord, this morning we pray, O breath of life, come sweeping through us. Revive thy church with life and power, O breath of life. Come cleanse, renew us, and fit thy church to meet this hour. Make us fit to meet the hour, Lord, by the power of your Spirit. Lord, this morning we pray that you'd have your way, Lord. Lord, that you would move, Lord. Oh, God, that you would touch our hearts afresh. Lord, we pray as we come, Lord, even to close, Lord, in this, this service this morning, we pray that the searchlight of the Holy Ghost would shine into our hearts and into our lives this morning, Lord. Lord, that you would move by the power of your Spirit. Oh, God, this morning that you would search us, try us, cleanse us. Lord, may this house be filled with your praise. Oh, God, have a way. Have your way and take our lives this morning. Take our lives and let them be, Lord, fully given over to thee. Lord, we praise you this morning. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand together this morning. David, Johnny, and Gillian Trish come. I want to sing that hymn, Search Me, O God. And at the end, that last verse says, O Holy Ghost, revival comes from thee. Send the revival and start the work in me. Search me this morning, Lord. Have your way among us in Jesus' name.